0: Rx Radio Groove Cafe
1: is the Groove Cafe on Rx Radio and I am Krista always looking forward to my conversations with guests who have so much to say I don't even know what to ask the guest today because there's so many different interesting aspects to him now he is a communications consultant he owns a marketing communications firm that does a lot of events management they own the Oktoberfest Kampala franchise that you know well he writes uh, for the new vision he's a founder of The Gathering which is a 500 strong collection of writers who have a bias towards fiction i should say he also owns a jazz outfit called Bonafide. he does play the piano um he likes to cook he likes food so we get along really well uh he's a major foodie he's one of the founding partners of my food network i don't even know what to ask him i have dennis asimwe joining <laughs> me on the Groove cafe today hello dennis
2: hi chris how are you doing
1: i'm good how are you i am fair. I haven't even touched on your love for whiskey. (laughs) There's
2: that too, right? Yeah, there's that. There's that. Mm -hmm. that, And that goes perfectly well with food.
1: Mm -hmm. So how's it going? We're wrapping up the year. How has it been for you?
2: It's been, I like to refer to the year that we've gone through as interesting. Interesting? Yes.
1: Interesting, good, interesting, bad.
2: The Chinese have a hilarious saying that is often interpreted as a curse. They say, may you live in interesting times
1: mm-hmm. we
2: are living in interesting times we
1: truly are <laughs> actually i'll be honest interesting is a word that i i pick on when i'm like ha. Huh? i don't want to say anything bad interesting
2: it's a year that uh, we will remember
1: mm-hmm. yes
2: okay we, like, now we for yeah and it was
1: okay so there's so <laughs> many different aspects to you dennis did you grow up here in uganda let me start there
2: Yes, homegrown, homeschooled. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. Born and bred here.
1: Born and bred here. Where yes. was school for you? Um, Ghana uh, Road and,
2: and King Solipodo.
1: Okay. Yeah. Oh, uh, all through. And, and then Makera. Yes. Oh my! So yes. no, no stories, no drama in school. <laughs> you, you brought all the trouble later in life. Huh? <laughs> Yeah, um, th-
2: this was sort of a conformist uh, school. Mm. Uh, the, the sort of school where you go and and lay, lay low,
0: mm-hmm.
2: be a good little boy, and
0: mm-hmm.
2: uh, that was particularly helpful in in Budo, where okay. you just it's, it's very achievement based as a school. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so oh. it was wise to be a good little boy,
1: a good little boy <laughs> yes. Were the expectations at home as well for you to lay yes. low. Yes, mm-hmm. yes,
2: uh, very high expectations. I'm the eldest, so it was interesting.
1: Oh i always say the oldest is a deputy parent uh, was that the case for you
2: i think i re- I was regarded more as a project
1: a project so yes. they were learning on you yes <laughs> i just feel bad now about my oldest because man
2: it, it's it's harsh on on, on the oldest yes it, you're
1: it, toughest it, on them you yes, have the highest expectations exactly you, they must be a good example.
2: Yes. Mm-hmm. And, and you, they always refer to, you should not do what Dennis did the other time and uh, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And then obviously, as you get older and make fewer mistakes, then suddenly you're being referenced. Uh, Why don't you do things the way Dennis does them?
1: Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. And
2: my brothers have been through that. and
1: So your brothers. <laughs> it's, been it's a love-hate relationship, <laughs> I think. Uh, <laughs> Why don't you date girls like Dennis? <laughs> <laughs> oh wow i don't know about that one i assure you has made that up right now
0: <laughs> no we
1: could call my dad right now really so yeah. this is your dad I, I, I was getting to it is that your dad your mom my dad your dad yes. so was he very strict like your typical strict uh ugandan father yes he's
2: uh mm-hmm. an economist by profession mm-hmm. uh he was a professor at mccary and obviously was a lecturer mm-hmm. uh, so he he had a, a sort of disciplinarian approach to life okay yes alright and then he had an, an interesting um, sort of uh, you've got to balance your good things with your bad things uh, mm-hmm. sort of approach so for example with alcohol okay uh, I'm not sure whether there's a statute of limitations in Uganda but <laughs> <with> that, we <laughs> well this is
1: a long time ago I don't think you'll get in trouble
2: <laughs> yeah. so with alcohol he made sure like we he tried to introduce it to us early mm-hmm. so that uh, we couldn't have any uh, problems with, with with alcohol later on. Mm-hmm. So, if, like, you know, just make sure you, at the age of like maybe seven, you have your first half bottle of beer. Then maybe at the age of eight, you have your second. You have your first full bottle of beer. And At the uh,
1: age of what? Of eight. Okay, seven half a bottle of beer. Yes. Eight Four. a full bottle. Yes. By
2: 13, what were you doing? <laughs> I, In my P5, I got a bottle of wine as a present, I think for being second in class or something like that.
1: From your dad? Yes, I'm having a moment. <laughs> <laughs> I am processing this information. But it, it, but turned, okay. it, it turned out
2: to be a useful uh, mm-hmm. sort of training because once we got into Budo, mm. of course there was a bit of laxity in terms of the way people can bring stuff into school. Alcohol mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And it was like nothing to me.
1: Yeah, it was no big deal. Exactly. People were sneaking out of school, getting caught. And I was like,
2: why? I mean, if I want some, I just I know how get it gets at home. Okay.
1: <laughs> okay. Well, that's, again, so, interesting. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> no I mean
2: he, he came from a, a background where he'd seen a lot of uh, promising uh, individuals, you know, from back home in the village mm-hmm. get, get really, really messed up
0: by alcohol. By alcohol. Mm-hmm.
2: From my hometown, it actually is a wonderfully destructive tool. Okay. Yeah, because it's very accessible and it can easily be made locally and it actually tastes good.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: and the one that is made locally is nutritious Mm -hmm. so a lot of the people look at it and they're like no this stuff is good for you but then it takes down quite a number of people so he was like no you've got to learn how to manage this
1: thing and Mm -hmm. so Okay. (laughs) So I do know like university was a time for people to fall apart because suddenly you can decide to drink as much as you want, whenever you want. want. And uh, yeah, a lot of my friends who joined, uh, you know, they did well, government scholarships and all that. They were struggling by second year.
2: Yes. And uh, obviously by then it was just old news to me. By then then I think I was drinking whiskey by Mm -hmm. by uni.
1: Yeah wow okay you had graduated to whiskey
2: <laughs> all right
1: and we still love our whiskey but uh what single malts
0: what are you into now
2: <laughs> i'm into single malts and uh I, I like a couple of blended brands there's, there's mm-hmm. one I, I discovered recently i think during the october 1st period
0: mm-hmm.
2: it's called uh monkey's shoulder
1: monkey's shoulder uh, yeah all was, right it
2: was sent to me by somebody from germany and it was it, Mm. Smooth. You can think it's a
1: single mouth. Oh, my. Yeah. I know there's some great Japanese whiskies. There's yes. some great Chinese whiskeys. Yes, there are. For people who are really passionate, they learn all these things. Yes,
2: I mean, a, a whiskey is something that you can actually savor. Mm-hmm. And then you can use it as a, as a cooking tool to create a base
0: mm-hmm. very
2: comfortably. And then, of course, it's, uh, you can use it to tenderize. Uh,
1: mm-hmm. Your meat and stuff like your that. Your meat as yeah, well. Yeah. I don't know how many people will, will do that. <laughs> They're like, ha, huh, tenderize the meat or drink it? I don't know. What's more important here? <laughs> it,
2: it helps have the bottle in the kitchen because uh, you just drop it in as, as a moment of
1: inspiration.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes.
1: And as you sip, as you cook, right? <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> that too. Okay, so your, your love for writing, um, your style has changed over the years. I mean, you, you also write for. A new vision you're a music critic as well yes um, but then you also have your, your interesting side where you have your own stories that you know I have read over the years <laughs> i thoroughly enjoyed when did you start writing when did you start to feel that itch um,
2: I would say um, my education probably had a heavy uh, bias in that direction we had some pretty good English teachers in uh, primary school
0: Okay. Um, mm-hmm.
2: so we're often asked to put down little stories and stuff like that Mm -hmm. and then in Budo of course it was an area of excellence because this was one of like a really competitive school so you always had to find your little niche the thing that you do really well because it was a kind of school where almost everybody has something that they excel at Mm -hmm. and uh, so I was able to tap into it at that level and then um, once we got uh, into tertiary education I found um, there were quite a a lot of uh, challenging opportunities uh, in terms of people asking you, can you put together something like this?
0: For, mm-hmm. for, for,
2: uh, you know, Can you create this fictional situation? Mm-hmm. Different blog sets and stuff like that. And so once social media came up, I was like, how about I try and see if I can actually put something down that people will actually like? Mm-hmm. And that was an interesting challenge for me. So I, I gave it a try and I was like, okay, there's people responding to it. And then it really, 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 really picked up steam. Mm-hmm. And then that's when I really first I was uh, was doing opinions on different topics and issues. Okay. Because I I, am slightly opinionated.
0: (laughs) Slightly? (laughs) Listen slightly. Okay. (laughs)
2: So the the, the whole idea on that side was to simply find an interesting way of expressing these opinions and the one thing that I found that you can do pretty easily is if you express these opinions honestly, Mm -hmm. um, you simply express them honestly, then you'll find a response
1: that's where the connection is yeah, exactly from mm. the audience, yeah.
2: So, for example, if I was referring to marriage, for example, mm-hmm. I'd simply express doubts that society isn't comfortable expressing in that particular regard.
0: Mm-hmm. If I was
2: referring to uh, dating um, relationships, often there was a sort of you know pushback in that particular regard.
0: Mm-hmm. um
2: And then I think by that point, I'd also found quite a number of uh, uh, situations that I questioned. Uh, As a man, I've always been one of those people who feels and believes that society asks a lot of questions of us, Mm -hmm. um, and Mm -hmm. doesn't do the same to women.
1: Okay, okay. Yeah. Mm
2: -hmm. And I often felt, I felt almost disadvantaged in this particular regard. Mm -hmm. And then this discussion just never. Happens within the public sphere.
1: Yes. So I think it's happening now. Now we're beginning to get to a point where people are saying, "Okay, even as a woman, what do you bring to the table? What do you bring to the relationship?" Yeah, that, that is you true. Know.
2: But like, mm-hmm. uh, like within society today, um, the average man that gets up in the morning at five is literally almost dreading his day.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I know you've been involved within the mental health space. Yes. Suicide is much higher yes. among us men. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did uh, a strategic plan for uh, Botavica Hospital. Mm-hmm. And I know that the percentage of men to women uh, struggling with mental health mm-hmm. is much, much higher. Mm-hmm. So men are, are faced by a, a much you know heavier hammer
0: mm-hmm. uh, than
2: women. And, and yet the politically correct dialogue is, oh my God, what are the women going through?
0: Oh my yes, God. Yes. Uh, and <laughs> of, of, of,
2: of, of course... Uh, Women being uh, human animals are inevitably going to take advantage of this particular situation. You don't question the advantages that life offers to you. You take advantage of them. Hmm. Um, If you suddenly find that uh, you need to access, say, the workspace
0: Mm.
2: and... uh, society is offering you certain advantages over men you're not going to say no we think that the men are going through
1: difficulty." No. (laughs) (laughs) this is a very difficult conversation (laughs) exactly because there are women who will say but every month we go through this and we are the ones who have babies and we still have to come in and work while we're pregnant Um, immediately after we have a child we have to come back in work and manage a home and do more in the home than in the workplace i'm just imagining the conversations
2: yes uh and those conversations if you actually have them then it can be balanced but those conversations it simply never occur mm. what society simply does is it sort of organically shields women it says okay the women are nurturing our babies mm-hmm. so because of this they require this sort of advantage they already have um first of all, those particular pressures were not put on them by men. Mm -hmm. Men did not decide that women are going to go through their monthlies. Mm -hmm. That is simply uh, a process of the natural order. Uh, Men did not decide that women are the ones who are going to bear children.
0: Mm -hmm. It wasn't
2: their decision. Mm -hmm. Um, And still, um, for the average guy out there, you suddenly have uh, a situation where they're faced with a society that Suddenly appears to be punishing men mm. for the things that women go through.
1: Mm, that's um, an interesting way of looking at it. I, I think that there are definitely higher expectations on men to be even successful in life and traumatizing. And if you're struggling, <laughs> the judgment that comes down on you, the disappointment that comes down on you is much higher is much higher. Yeah.
2: This is not a conversation that occurs within the social sphere at mm-hmm. all, at any level. And mm-hmm. and because of that particular thing... So, every time I was... Doesn't I, it
1: boil down to also upbringing and how young boys were told you have to be strong, you have to be hard, don't complain, you can't cry, you can't this. That's true. That's where it starts.
2: Part of it is an upbringing uh, question. Mm-hmm. Uh, women have a much... Uh, a much more comfortable peer conversation that helps, you know, break down that sort of build-up of stress and stuff like that.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So, of course... Um, during these conversations I came across uh, as a sort of I don't know whether I should even use the word misogynist because I was not pedestalizing women Mm -hmm, I was mm -hmm. questioning them Mm
0: -hmm.
2: about uh, different things that I you know questions that I've been sort of building up in my head Mm -hmm. over time Um, what kind of helped the writing pick up in that particular regard was that the responses were often from women themselves Mm -hmm. so
1: you uh, were having
2: exactly I mean they, they were like you know we can't deny (laughs) <laughs> that This actually happened, mm-hmm. and uh, and so the writing picked up from that particular regard. But then um, slowly we we took the writing away from uh, opinions to not away, but to include to become a little bit more inclusive, and it started to include things like uh, like fiction,
0: mm-hmm.
2: and that was what I really particularly enjoyed because fiction is much more memorable.
0: Mm. It's
2: much more challenging; it involves world building and character development, and it's something that you you know you, you just love the idea that you've created a universe and you've created a personality mm-hmm. or a character and, and the storyline car- that- exactly and you get that character goals and, and and desires and things of that nature and so that's when you know the writing became a, a little bit more challenging and we got much more involved because we're like oh my god we're building a story along these lines and let's see if we can get people involved um in coming up with their own stuff
0: mm-hmm.
2: and and eventually that's why the group became that strong okay yeah
1: i'm also hearing that you really do love the challenge of fiction you love to do that
2: it's like asking somebody to create
1: mm-hmm. it really I mean, is you, you it's have, like this tree that starts <laughs> as a seed in your exactly. mind yeah
2: yeah so and like it grows. You, have, you, you have this idea about how to there was a writing competition i entered once i entered it because uh was a, a cheerful financial praise <laughs> <laughs> but the challenge was was fun because we we're asked to write about um love okay um so i took on the challenge because everyone didn't think i would take it on mm. they come up with a love story and then so i was like okay so let me come up with a, a believable character man mm-hmm. a believable man who falls for this girl but the reason why the guy falls for this girl is because he finds her vulnerable okay and so he wants to protect her mm-hmm. so she's in a an abusive relationship with her dad her dad had uh, sexually violated her as a teenager mm-hmm. she had a younger sister so the dad had some nefarious plans for that younger sister mm-hmm. so that is just what makes this man snap okay and uh, believable that this guy who was a typically cynical person would actually,
0: you know, mm-hmm. fall in
2: love with this girl and become protective of her, and yeah, yeah. Because a lot of male uh, interaction with women uh, comes from that whole night in white armor mm-hmm. thing, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, the real thing. And the story one.
0: Okay. Oh man. But
2: but I was coming up with like a character who would actually be believable, Mm -hmm. and especially if we knew it was me writing the story. (laughs) So you were trying to make it as authentic
1: as possible possible, from Dennis. Yes. Yes. Okay. So I know the gathering is planning on something. What are you working on together?
2: We're doing. uh, We're preparing an anthology. We came up. um, We've been doing a couple of stories over the the last five years, Mm -hmm. like story writing competitions.
1: Okay. Okay.
2: So we've collected like some absolute gems wow. stories mm-hmm. and uh, so we have like about 20 25 different writers mm-hmm. submitting like 2 or 3 stories each and so we want to put it in, into an anthology the kind of uh, book which you know you can have in your bookshelf and mm-hmm. and maybe share with a friend or something like that the kind of book that can be used like to pick stories
0: mm-hmm. that can be
2: turned into movies because Ooh. it's contemporary urban fiction
0: mm-hmm. yeah,
2: and there's brilliant brilliant ideas in there a lot of the writers are not writers professionally Mm -hmm. some are doctors some are lawyers architects that sort of thing but they have these wonderful ideas
1: oh that sounds exciting and and often
2: with writing it's about the idea Mm -hmm. yeah
1: when can we expect that
2: um (laughs) considering the interesting year we've been through
1: Mm
2: -hmm. um Early next year.
1: Early next year. Yes. You see, I'm holding you to that. I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> I really am. Uh, one of the things I also read about was that you're a health, uh, in health communications. And now you've mentioned the mental health space with Butabika Hospital. Yes. How long have you been in that space?
0: Um,
2: I was invited to the health communication space again because of uh, writing. Somebody saw one of the pieces that I wrote. Uh, on Facebook and asked me Mm -hmm. if I could come up with a campaign for behavioural change in young people. It was about HIV, alcohol and uh, domestic violence. Mm. So I was like, yeah, sure. I'd like to try that out. Sounded Uh,
1: like a challenge. eh?
2: Money was involved. (laughs) (laughs) So I gave it a try and um, it worked really well. So I was taken home permanently and I was doing for about two years on this particular USAID project. And then I was invited to edit the, the master plan for Mulago Hospital. It was, mm. being, was being refurbished. And so they came up with this gigantic um, document about 800 pages and they wanted an editor for that master plan. Mm-hmm. And so I did that and that went really well. The master plan was passed by uh the donors and after that then the the gigs start coming in they're like who's the guy who did that master plan
0: mm-hmm. <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay so one wanted so i did the same oh. the same for the uganda cancer institute uh their strategic plan and then uh, Botanical hospital saw that and said, oh.
1: did you ever see yourself doing that kind of work in that space
2: i wasn't surprised because uh Communication essentially covers the same objectives getting the message across, Mm -hmm. coming up with the message, interpreting the technicalities, and then getting it across to the target audience
1: as clearly and as as, mm -hmm. as simply
2: as possible. Mm -hmm. Um, So I wasn't surprised. Mm. and then I also write proposals for like business development like if we come up with a business idea and we want to bring on board sponsors for that particular proposal mm-hmm. I, write, I write the proposals and so essentially it felt like basically the same thing coming okay. up with something and communicating it to an audience mm-hmm. yes
1: okay yeah. and then music music does this also take you back to your childhood
2: mm. interestingly because um, I grew up in Makere and we lived next to a professor, okay. I think, a professor of technology, mm-hmm. and he had a an upright piano in his house. Okay, so he used to play the piano late in the night, like at about eleven or twelve, and I could hear it mm-hmm. uh, pretty clearly. Like the night is quiet and everything, and I could hear it pretty clearly, and I'd fall asleep that sort of music. Oh, so I would say I actually got addicted to that sort of sound because. Mm-hmm. I kept trying to find a place where I could pick up piano lessons and stuff like that. And it was really difficult as a kid. Mm -hmm. Uh, Once you walk into the chapel, uh, St. Francis Chapel, and try and play the piano, everyone's like, you know, you're going to spoil that. (laughs)
1: Yes. (laughs) Get off, get off, get off.
2: So I get into Budo. Mm -hmm. The school has like five pianos and an organ and they're encouraging people to play. And I'm like, okay. This is it. Oh. <laughs> anyway, so I say uh, playing in school and in Budo it was like a really powerful thing if you like a school organist or a school pianist because uh you get all these get an allowance as well.
0: Oh yeah
2: and pocket money is everything in school. And and then you also you get you get all you know you get to miss out on, on housework or on, on chores and stuff mm-hmm. like that.
1: Because you have to rehearse? Exactly. Mm -hmm. So it's really,
2: it it was a a conducive environment. So I picked it up really quickly.
0: Mm
2: -hmm. Um, It would be easy for me to say that I was like hardworking and that would be rubbish. I was just, I was addicted. Mm
1: -hmm. So I was like
2: playing every day for like five
1: years. Did you ever see yourself or think you would become like a professional musician or pianist?
2: Not really. Mm -hmm. Um... I think the only time I actually thought about doing it was as we came into uh, our A6 vacation. I was like, you know what? I would like to find a gig where I can play. I would play. I was willing to play for free.
0: Mm. I, was,
2: I was like, the idea of <laughs> playing with people listening to me just blew my mind. So I was like, I was willing to play for free. And so once we hit the vacation, I, I went around looking for a place where I could play.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And I was lucky I walked into Fang Fang, restaurant at the time when they're looking for a pianist mm-hmm. so, so the lady says "Yeah, you looking for a job I said yes so she said play me something so I, I was like oh, can I come up with something I can play for this this,
0: this lady, lady mm-hmm. yeah.
2: so I'm, I, I played the theme music from uh, it's an old corny movie it's called Sheena the Queen of the Jungle mm-hmm. <laughs> It has a beautiful theme song. Okay. So I played that, and was just like, "Okay, you hair, you start tomorrow." And
1: I was like, "Was this Miss Fangman?" Fangman. Mm-hmm.
2: So I was like, hippie. And uh, she's like, "So we are paying you." I was like, "You pay me?"
1: So not only do I get to play, but you're gonna pay me? I was ready to play free. <laughs> wow. So this uh, was important to you. It was. Do you still play on a regular basis? I still play. Good. Um, if I get
2: invited to a function, I just send over the invoice. That invoice gets approved, and I play. And you play? Yeah. All right. So it sort of took off from that, uh, from playing with uh, Fang Fang.
0: Mm-hmm. After about
2: a year, Sheraton Head hunted me and,
0: mm-hmm.
2: and took me up to play with them, and then it really blew up from there because that was like a really different level. Mm-hmm. People come to you with, at the time, with music on CDs and and flash discs and like and the song and you know well play this for me it must about. have been
1: challenging though
2: it was but it like really really expanded your uh the breadth of the stuff that you listen to mm-hmm. jazz you listen to blues and stuff like that
1: mm-hmm. yeah you lean more towards jazz would I'm, you say i'm
2: much more eclectic mm-hmm. like uh i'm pretty broad in what i can play
0: mm-hmm.
2: uh, i mean i grew up playing in the school church mm-hmm. so you, i probably know more Christian music than most Christians out there
1: <laughs> <laughs> some people would not take that very kindly I, but okay. I, I, I
2: like rubbing it in when <laughs> <like> <jazz. laughs>
1: well, you bring in your other opinions uh, to kind of offset alright
2: yeah mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's pretty eclectic uh, I'll do pop I'll do blues I'll do jazz mm-hmm.
1: yeah. okay yeah. and food mm, your love for food
2: food is actually like uh, I mean I think of cooking as a survival skill Mm-hmm. I think.
1: Absolutely yeah, absolutely. Like
2: yeah, it should be. It's like the ability to keep the place where you live clean.
0: Mm-hmm. It, should, it should
2: be something that's simply been instilled into you. And then, of course, um, I spent a lot of my adult life. Um, you know, fancy hotels and restaurants because I was playing there. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and so I was eating
1: like really, really good food. Good food. <laughs> <laughs> so That's once, kind of what pushed me to start cooking, by the way. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, yeah? I like this food. How yeah. do I recreate do I
2: it do I at do home? This? Exactly. How do mm-hmm. I do this more frequently?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So I was, I was, you know, uh, more or less having lunch and dinner at the Sheraton for like three years.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So once I, I said, Working in a much more professional setting, I was really missing the food. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I was like, okay, let me uh, let me go try out this particular dish and see if I can pull it off. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah,
2: and once I did, I was like, wait a minute, I can be doing this in my house instead of going out to a restaurant and buying it at four Mm -hmm. times the price. Yeah, and that's where it, it, it came from.
1: Okay. Yeah, and the food network.
2: Um, my food network was it's a collaboration between five different chefs.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
2: myself, Mark Kaheru, uh, Nelly Muchibi, mm-hmm. and uh, Moses, and a baker.
1: Okay, and a baker. Asha Did it start on Facebook? Yes, it started on Facebook. Okay, My Food Network. Yes. Still huge, still big. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, so it essentially is a, a collection of five different bakers with very different approaches to cooking. Uh, Nelly, for example, is a vegetarian.
1: Do you uh, bake as well?
2: No, I don't. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Asha bakes, of course. Mm-hmm, yes. Uh, and then Mark is uh, multiple foods, but with a focus on barbecue. And barbecue.
0: Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, Mujabi is a barbecue, but he's a very organic barbecue guy. I've seen him do things to pork with just salt and pepper
0: mm-hmm.
2: that I thought involved witchcraft. Because <laughs> I, I couldn't believe. Cause was it did, like
1: encrusted?
2: He did in my kitchen. I was like, you just use salt and pepper and did that.
1: So Mm -hmm. some
2: people have innate talent for cooking and Mm -hmm. and Moses is like that. Okay. Yeah. So it's a collection that we took advantage of the fact that we had strong networks
0: Mm.
2: uh, as individuals. I mean, I had a pretty decent following from my writing staff. And then Asha has always been loud on, uh,
0: Mm -hmm.
2: on social media. And then Mark has always been loud. Generically,
0: (laughs) (laughs) so (laughs) it's
2: easy to just uh, Mm -hmm. start a page and uh, come together and just get people uh, come on board. So it's about Mm -hmm. it's almost about 100,000 people right now.
1: Yes, it's
2: huge. Um, And the advantage of that sort of thing is that you can then use it to leverage uh, sponsorship Mm -hmm. from uh, different uh, brands because brands are often looking for an audience. Mm -hmm. So, brands like uh, Unilever. So when they're pushing stuff like Royco
0: mm-hmm.
2: or the beverage companies or the milk companies who are trying to push, you know, cooking products and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So it helps us in terms of leveraging things.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Okay. Um, I know that we're almost out of time. Yeah. But one of the things that you always seem to bring up or say loud and proud is that you're single. And you're always like, <laughs> single. I'm single. I'm single. I yeah. date Sometimes. I have a love-hate relationship with dating.
2: That's the disclaimer. Right? (laughs) It's often because... Why? Usually, I end up being in... um, Every time I'm within a public sphere, at that particular time, I'm I'm not dating.
1: Okay. But once in a while, (laughs) I I date. Once in a while, you (laughs) date. Yeah, I'm not... Do you ever feel pressure? The pressure from society to get married? You know, that whole thing. Because we've talked about, you know, a lot of pressures in terms of success, career, all of that.
2: It's everywhere.
1: I mean, uh, family as well.
2: Family, of course. Mm -hmm. Um, Though by now they've adjusted.
0: (laughs) Okay. There
2: have been some adjustments, though. um, When we travel up country,
0: Mm
2: -hmm. uh, the pressure like triples on the family themselves (laughs) because everyone is (laughs) horrified. They're like, No, what? Mm -hmm. And
1: there's no Misses where is she? (laughs) (laughs)
2: Mm -hmm. Like genuine horror for them.
1: Okay, how do you feel about that though?
2: Uh, it's easy to brush off. Um, one of the things that you have to do within the family space is you have to make sure at a particular time when you're interacting with the family, you're the sort of the person that's financing everything.
1: Ah, <laughs> I thought you were going to say manage expectations. <laughs> but here we have some some degree of control.
2: Yes, I mean, mm-hmm. if, if, if you show up at the Christmas uh family get together (laughs) and you're the one handling the entire drinks budget Mm -hmm. it's going to be hard for people to say but why are you doing Uh
1: we'll (laughs) ask him next time next time we'll ask him
2: what has happened now is that um often the conversation now is between me and my dad Mm -hmm. so everyone is sort of like a it between themselves Mm -hmm. so so everyone is like "If, if my dad is cool with it they are cool with it. Okay. My dad's approach is, you have to bring grandchildren.
1: Oh, so he's like, I don't need all the other stuff. Yeah, At least things, grandchildren. Yeah.
2: So mm-hmm. my response in that regard is really, I'm working on it.
1: You're working? <laughs> 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 That's such a cheeky response. <laughs> now, you said you have like a love-hate relationship. You said you do date sometimes. And one of the things I keep hearing from people over and over again is how difficult dating is in the world today. I don't know. What are your thoughts on that?
2: It's difficult in Uganda.
1: <laughs> in Uganda? <laughs> you don't think in other parts of the world? What's what's different in Uganda? I
2: would imagine that uh, in Uganda we have, um, if I was living, say, in a European economy mm-hmm. that is at least structured and sane, you know, somewhere. Wow. Like, some like Sweden.
1: Oh, wow. Yeah? Mm-hmm. The so we're is- the opposite, right? drastic we're, we're confused and insane <laughs> is that what you're saying <laughs> We're scattered and insane
2: the income distribution here is so bad mm. um, the bias of this income is obviously towards men
0: mm-hmm. yeah
2: okay um, so every woman that you meet has an instinctive bias okay nearly every woman uh, that's not a fair Thank insi- you instinctive bias towards the man as a provider.
1: Mm-hmm. so And this starts right from dating? Yeah?
2: This starts, I think, when girls are like about 11. Um, so the man should do this, the man should do this, mm-hmm. the man should do this, the man should. So you have guys in a, a brutal economy, mm-hmm. and I'm self-employed, so I, I can say brutal economy and I'll know what
0: I'm talking about. <laughs> yes.
2: Yeah. So you have men living in a brutal economy and every time they turn they don't only really have expectations, but they have a list of expectations that are thrown at them
0: mm-hmm. by
2: uh, a gender that appears to be particularly, you know, almost dismissive of whatever efforts they make at that particular regard. Aww. And so, for most men, uh, they're like, w- why do I bother? What's the point yeah. anyway?
1: So, Even if I try. Exactly.
2: Mm-hmm. It won't be appreciated.
1: Um,
2: That's sad though. Mm. There's no rational standard against which... Uh, this entire process is executed. Um, if, for example, a guy is dating a girl mm-hmm. and he maybe once a month takes out to dinner, mm-hmm. uh, there will be other... She'll have friends or peers in her circle uh, who get taken out four times
0: Every a Every weekend. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Then
2: there'll be the ones who are taken to islands four times a week. <laughs> <laughs> so,
0: so
2: The conversation is so... It is such a a confrontational conversation that you just don't want to bother
1: getting Mm -hmm. involved in. Yes, yeah.
2: And so a lot of men, uh, there's a colleague of yours that refers to it as the honeymoon period. Mm -hmm. So, (laughs) So a lot of men right now simply get involved with women, swing through the honeymoon period and then just get out okay wow. <laughs> and then wait for the next one and then, and then you wonder why hand. you have so many disillusioned <laughs> women who are just angry angry it's violent out there and it's not about to change um, anytime soon no not un- until we have like a, a regulated certain economy
1: mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. i think you're being kind <laughs> but okay we're out of time thank you so much for joining me i hope i can have you back there's still <laughs> a lot to cover. There's a lot to cover. Yeah, there was, there
2: was quite a bit. Okay. Yeah.
1: End of year. Mm-hmm. Normally, we have events and different things happening. Yes. Is My Food Network working on anything?
2: I think um, My Food Network is going through the same sort of phase that everybody has been going through. So everyone is simply mm-hmm. uh, like bringing out a sigh of relief that they've managed to reach the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Um the most I will see from My phone Network will be like different potlucks okay, of, of, of that sort of thing mm-hmm. uh, and a potluck is a very effective way of, of throwing together a Christmas holiday because everybody brings a dish yeah
1: you all bring something and, mm-hmm.
2: and the person who has the time of his life is the host because he gets to keep everything in, in mm-hmm. their freezer oh wow <laughs> so, so that's the most that you'll probably be seeing
1: mm-hmm. uh, from
2: My phone Network Okay. this, this
1: alright yeah. well thank you so much for coming on the Group Cafe
2: thank you for having me it
1: was a pleasure, pleasure. it was fun <laughs> <laughs>
0: Groove Cafe.